Dear Father in heaven, thank you Lord for giving us the privilege of life. And we're grateful Father for your provision, for your watch care over us, for the air we breathe, the water we drink, the food we eat. We do not take these blessings for granted. We also want to reciprocate the love that we have received from you. And we know Lord that what you require of us is to do justice to love mercy and to walk humbly with you. As we fellowship with you now, we pray, Father, that you will give us the grace and strength needed to please you and to do what you want us to do. We pray, Father, that we would be filled with an inspiration to walk in the way of righteousness. Grant to us of your spirit. Help us, Lord, to rightly divide the word of truth. And that as we do this, we shall be motivated to have faith and trust in you and that we also may have power to become sons of God. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen. and courage august 21 jehovah's honor vindicated with him is an arm of flesh but with us is the lord our god to help us and to fight our battles and the people rested themselves upon the words of hezekiah king of judah second chronicles chapter 32 verse 8. Hezekiah, in the earlier years of his reign, had continued to pay tribute to Assyria in harmony with the agreement entered into by Ahaz. Meanwhile, the king had taken counsel with his princes and his mighty men, and had done everything possible for the defense of his kingdom. The long-expected crisis finally came. The forces of Assyria advancing from triumph to triumph appeared in Judea. Judah's only hope was now in God. All possible help from Egypt had been cut off and no other nations were near to lend a friendly hand. Sennacherib wrote letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, as the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of mine hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. When the king of Judah received the taunting letter, he took it into the temple and spread it before the Lord and prayed with a strong faith for help from heaven, that the nations of earth might know that the God of the Hebrews still lived and reigned. The honor of Jehovah was at stake. He alone could bring deliverance. Hezekiah was not left without hope. Isaiah sent to him, saying, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, That which thou hast prayed to me against Sennacherib, king of Assyria, I have heard. That very night deliverance came. The angel of the Lord went out and smote in the camp of the Assyrians an hundred, fourscore, and five thousand. The God of the Hebrews had prevailed over the proud Assyrian. The honor of Jehovah was vindicated in the eyes of the surrounding nations. In Jerusalem, the hearts of the people were filled with holy joy. Their earnest entreaties for deliverance had been mingled with confession of sin and with many tears. In their great need, they had trusted wholly in the power of God to save, and He had not failed them. Amen. The title of our devotion for today is Jehovah's Honor Vindicated and it is about a certain man called Sennacherib, king of Assyria, and his encounter with Hezekiah, king of Judah. So who is Sennacherib? 
Remember when we spoke of King Ahaz, the father of Hezekiah? Ahaz went to meet a certain king of Assyria to help him overcome the Israelites who came against him and also the Syrians and also the Edomites. That man was one of the ancestors of Sennacherib, the man who Ahaz went to meet. Precisely, he was his, I think, his great-grandfather. His name was Tiglath-Pileser III. He conquered the, the long enemies of Israel, which is Syria, and put King Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, under tribute. Read it here in the book of 2 Kings chapter 16. Reading from verse 7, it says, So Ahaz sent messengers to Tiglath-Pileser, king of Assyria, saying, I am thy servant and thy son. Come up and save me out of the land, out of the hand of the king of Syria, and out of the hand of the king of Israel, which rise up against me. Do you remember what happened? That the Syrians came and smote King Ahaz saw, and the Israelites came and smote two, was it, 120,000 men. And like I, I was saying the other day, I just want to remind us, disobedience has been the problem from the days of King Saul to the days of Rehoboam and Solomon. Whenever the children of Israel or anyone departs from God, your protection is taken away from you. And King Asher, King Jehoshaphat were good kings. And because they trusted in God, God always sustained them. That is the lesson. King Ahaz was one of the most wicked and foolish kings. Even when God judged him over and over again, he didn't repent. Ahab, even Ahab, when Elijah came and spoke to Ahab, Ahab turned from his wickedness. When God spoke to Rehoboam, even Rehoboam, Rehoboam at least he repented a bit and the Lord blessed him. Many other kings in the past, when they see the judgments of God, they are broken. But not Ahaz. Ahaz was continually going in evil. No matter how the Lord was judging him, he kept on going. 200,000 women and children and women were taken away from his kingdom in one day. Taken as exiles. Not even today does that happen. What kind of weaponry did these people use to kill 120,000 in one day? Not even Russia was able to do that to Ukraine. Not even in World War II did that happen to the Jews. 120,000 in one day. This man sent to like we read here in the book of Second Kings 16, verse 7, 8, and 9, it says he sent to Tiglath Pileser to come and help him. And it says in verse 8, And Ahaz took the gold and silver that was found in the house of the Lord and in the treasures of the king's house and sent it for a present to the king of Assyria. And the king of Assyria hearkened unto him. For the king of Assyria went up against Damascus and took it and carried the people captive to care and slew Rezin. Do you remember that name? Rezin, king of Syria. There's a difference between Assyria and Syria. Rezin was the one that was tormenting Ahaz. Then Tiglath Pileser killed him. But that's when that's what started the tribute or the pledge that Judah was giving to Assyria. So at this time, do you remember that the Bible says Tiglath Pileser did not help Ahaz? Why is that so? Because Tiglath Pileser put Ahaz under tribute. He conquered Ahaz himself and made sure that Ahaz will continue to send him. Uh, tributes and pledges every year in isaiah 8 reading from verse 1 it says moreover the lord said unto me take thee a great roll and write in it a man's with a man's pen concerning mahashal hashbaz in verse 3 it says and i went unto the prophetess and she conceived and bare a son then said the lord to me call his name mahashal hashbaz for before the child shall have knowledge to cry my father and my mother, the riches of Damascus and the spoil of Samaria shall be taken away before the king of of Assyria. Why am I reading this? Remember that we just read now that Tiglath Pileser conquered conquered Syria. It was not by his power. Isaiah had already prophesied that God said it, that he is going to give power to Tiglath Pileser to do that. Then in verse 6 it says, For as much as these people refused the waters of Shiloh that go softly, and rejoice in Rezin and Remaliah's son. Remaliah's son is Pekah, that's the king of Israel. Now therefore, behold, the Lord bringeth up upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. Who is bringing the king of Assyria? The Lord. It is the Lord. He is the one that gave Tiglath Pileser that victory. This prophecy referring to Pekah, king of Israel, and Rezin, king of Syria. They were the ones that plundered King Ahaz and Judah, but they were not righteous themselves. God determined to destroy them using the kings of Assyria. 
While Tiglath-Pileser slew Rezin, the king of Syria, the next king that followed Tiglath-Pileser was Shalmaneser V, and God was the one that used him to remove Israel. After the death of Tiglath-Pileser, when Shalmaneser V took uh, the Israelites captive, he completely obliterated them. Hezekiah's father Ahaz was paying tribute to Assyria in the days of Tiglath-Pileser, and when Hezekiah became king, he continued king. He continued for a while. But the Bible records that after some time, he stopped paying tribute to Assyria for their protection. It's just like how France pulled out of NATO, that kind of thing. Remember that the reason King Ahaz, Hezekiah's father, was paying this tribute to Assyria was so that he could, be, he could get protection from him. In the book of Second Kings, reading from verse 18, it says, Now it came to pass, in the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, that Hezekiah, the son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. In verse 3, it says, And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, according to all that David, his father, did. Verse 5 says, He trusted in the Lord God of Israel, so that after him was none like him among all the kings of Judah, nor any that were before him. For he clave to the Lord, and departed not from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord commanded Moses. And the Lord was with him, and he prospered whithersoever he went forth. And he rebelled against the king of Assyria, and served him not. He smote the Philistines even unto Gaza, and the borders thereof, from the tower of the watchmen to the fenced city. Wow. So Hezekiah stopped paying the tribute after some time. The Bible says he rebelled against Assyria. So what happened? The king at this time was Shalmaneser V. Shalmaneser V did not do anything about Hezekiah's rebellion. The Lord used Shalmaneser rather to destroy Israel. Reading from verse 9, it says, And it came to pass in the fourth year of Hezekiah, take note of the year, fourth year of Hezekiah, which was the seventh year of Hosea, son of Ella, king of Israel, that Shalmaneser king of Assyria came up against Samaria and besieged it, and at the end of three years, he took it, even to the sixth year of Hezekiah, that is the ninth year of Hosea, king of Israel, Samaria, was taken. And the king of Assyria did carry away Israel unto Assyria, and put them in Hala, and in Harbor, by the river of Gozan, and in the cities of the Medes, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord their God, but transgressed his covenant, and all the and all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and would not hear them nor do them. Now, this is, remember, at the sixth year of King Hezekiah. After Shalmaneser came the next king, King Sargon II. Sargon II plundered the uh, Egyptians. God used him to gain this victory. Isaiah also received a vision concerning this man. Remember, Isaiah received a vision concerning Tiglath-Pileser to conquer um, the Syrians. Also, he received a vision concerning Shalmaneser to conquer the Israelites. He also received a vision concerning this next king, Sargon III. And we are building something here to get to the next king, which is Sennacherib. Sargon II, God was the one that brought him up to conquer the Egyptians. Isaiah 20, reading from verse 1, says, In the year that Tartan came unto Ashdod, when Sargon the king of Assyria sent him, and fought against Ashdod and took it, at the same time speak the Lord by Isaiah the son of Amos, saying, Go and lose the sackcloth from off thy loins, and put off thy shoe from off thy foot, and he did so walking naked and barefoot. And the Lord said, like as my servant Isaiah has walked naked and barefoot three years for a sign and wonder upon Egypt and upon Ethiopia, so shall the king of Assyria, that is Sargon, lead away the Egyptians prisoners and the Ethiopians captives, young and old, naked and barefoot, even with their buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. And they shall be afraid and ashamed of Ethiopia, their expectation, and of Egypt, their glory. Amen. What is the relevance of this prophecy? Israel, Judah actually, they usually have this league with Egypt if you check. There is usually this league between Judah and Egypt. Egypt usually comes to help Judah whenever Judah is fighting a war. And the Lord was telling them, look, I have raised up Sargon II to conquer Egypt and he will conquer both Egypt and Ethiopia so that you will not be having confidence in Egypt. God was the one raising the Assyrians. Take note that all the victories of the Assyrians was given to them by God and God determined it before it came to pass, he used them to judge nations. Why did God use the Assyrians? Why didn't he use Judah? 
remember that Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. The fathers of these kings, that is the fathers of Tiglath-Pileser, took I think about two kings before Tiglath-Pileser. One of the kings was the one that responded to the preaching of Jonah. He repented at that preaching of Jonah. Therefore, the Lord was with them. The historical records gives that there was this king in Nineveh who brought about a great religious and moral reformation in Assyria. Because of this, God was with them and gave them victories. They turned to God, but Israel, no. Judah before Hezekiah, no, and also Syria. And that's why the Lord was using Assyria to judge these nations. Ethiopia, Egypt, Israel, Syria, they were all conquered by the Assyrians. One important lesson we learn from here is that God is involved in the wars that is taking place among us. He gives victories and great losses to those whom he chooses. He used these kings to judge other nations. Tiglath Pileser for, for Syria, Shalmaneser the fifth for Israel, and Sargon the second for Egypt and Ethiopia. It was God who gave Sargon the second victory over Egypt and Ethiopia, whom Israel and Judah had a league with. Now, knowing this story sets the stage to properly understand the account of Sennacherib and Hezekiah. The book of 2 Kings 18 now tells us, in the 14th year of Hezekiah, do you remember that in the 6th year of Hezekiah, Israel was taken by Sargon. So from the 6th year to the 14th year, there was peace for Hezekiah. No Assyrian king disturbed him. He was not given any pledge to Assyria throughout these years. The fathers of Sennacherib, Sargon, and also Shalmaneser did not disturb Hezekiah all this while. And there came this man, Sennacherib, king of Assyria. He came up against all the fenced cities of Judah and took them. Verse 14 says, And Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the king of Assyria to Lashish, saying, I have offended. Return from me. That which thou puttest on me will I bear. And the king of Assyria appointed unto Hezekiah, king of Judah, three hundred talents of silver and thirty talents of gold. And Hezekiah gave him all. So Hezekiah started paying the pledge. But after it, during that time, he was strengthening himself and then he was going to stop paying that pledge. When he stopped paying, the day finally came when Shenacherib said, I'm going to attack Judah. Verse 17 says, And the king of Assyria sent Tartan and Rabaris and Rabshakeh. You're going to be hearing strange names here as I've been calling them already. <laughs> Tartan, Rabsaris and Rabshakeh from Lachish, the king to King Hezekiah with a great host against Jerusalem. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. And when they were come up, they came and stood by the conduit of the upper pool, which is by the highway of the fuller's field. And here was the message they gave in verse 19. It says, Thus said the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this wherein thou trusted? They are speaking to Hezekiah now. Thou sayest, But they are vain words. I have counsel and strength for war. Now, on whom dost thou trust that thou rebellest against me? Now behold, thou trusted upon the staff of this bruised reed, even upon Egypt, on which if a man lean, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh king of Egypt unto all that trust on him. But if you say unto me, We trust in the Lord our God, is not that he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah had taken away? And had said to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Now therefore I pray thee, give pledges to my lord the king of Assyria, and I will deliver thee two thousand horses, if thou be able on thy part to set riders upon them. How then wilt thou turn away the face of one captain of the least of my master's servants, and put thy trust on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? Am I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, so you see these people are saying that it's even God who sent them to come and destroy Hezekiah. He says, the Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it. Then said Eliakim, the son of Hezekiah, and Shebna and Joah, and Rab unto Rabshakeh, speak, I pray thee, to thy servants in the Syrian language, for we understand it, and talk not with us in the Jews' language in the ears of the people that are on the wall. But Rabshakeh said unto them, Hath my master sent me to thy master and to thee? To speak these words? 
had he not sent me to the men which sit on the wall, that they may eat their own dung and drink their own peace with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and cried with a loud voice in the Jews' language, and spake, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Let not Hezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you out of his hand. Neither let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us, and this city shall not be delivered into the hand of the king of Assyria. Hearken not to Hezekiah, for thus said the king of Assyria, Make an agreement with me by a present, and come out to me, and then eat every man of his own vine, and every one of his fig tree, and drink ye every one the waters of his cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of corn and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of oil, olive, and of honey, that you may live and not die. And hearken not unto Hezekiah, when he persuaded you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Had any of the gods of the nations delivered or at all his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and of Arpad? Where are the gods of Shepharavim, Shepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of mine hand? Who are they among all the gods of the countries that have delivered their country out of mine hand, that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of thine hand? Hmm. But the people held their peace, held their peace, and answered him not a word. For the king's commandment was saying, Answer him not. Then came Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, which was over the household, and Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Ashaph, the recorder, to Hezekiah with their clothes rent, and told him the words of Rabshakeh. Wow. You see, in the book of Second Chronicles chapter 32, he puts it this way. He says, And his servants speak yet more against the Lord. So I want us to understand what Rabshakeh was saying here. It was not just against Hezekiah. He was speaking against the Lord and against his servants. So take note of those two, two things. Second Chronicles 36 verse 16 says, His servants, that's Rabshakeh, spoke yet more against the Lord and against his servant Hezekiah. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations of other lands have not delivered their people out of mine hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver their people, deliver his people out of mine hand. And they speak, that's verse 19 says, and they speak against the God of Jerusalem, as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. Amen. Why is the Bible pointing this to us? It's to tell us that Sennacherib's war, he took it too far. The words that that were spoken was against God and God was challenged. Now, what was the result of this? The story goes that later on, Rabshakeh went back to Sennacherib and told him how Hezekiah did not listen and his, and Sennacherib himself repeated the same things that Rabshakeh was saying, that nobody can deliver anybody from his hand and that God cannot even deliver Hezekiah. And he said, go and send him a letter. And when that letter was sent to Hezekiah, Hezekiah took that letter and went to pray with that letter. And it says in Second Kings 19, from verse 1, from verse 3, it says, And they said unto him, that's those people that came to report to Hezekiah, they said, Thus saith Hezekiah, this day is a day of trouble and of rebuke and blasphemy for the children are come to the birth and there is not strength to bring forth it may be the lord thy god will hear all the words of rabshakeh whom the king of assyria his master had sent to reproach the living god and will reprove the words which the lord thy god hath heard Wherefore, lift up thy prayer for the remnants that are left. Amen. That's an important point I want us to get. Lift up thy prayer for the remnants that are left. So the servants of the king Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said unto them, Thus shall you say to your master, Thus said the Lord, Be not afraid of the words which thou hast heard, with which the servants of king, the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Behold, I will send a blast upon him, and he shall hear a rumor, and shall return to his own land, and I will cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Now, what was it that happened to, to Sennacherib after this? It says in 
verse in verse 34 it says for i will defend this city to save it for mine own sake and for my servant david's sake and it came to pass that night that the angel of the lord's lord went out and smote in the camp of the assyrians and hundred four score and five thousand that's one hundred and eighty five thousand and when they arose early in the morning behold they were all dead corpses most likely rabshakeh was among those dead corpses so Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went and returned and dwelt at Nineveh. And it came to pass, as he was worshipping in the house of Nishkor, his god, that Adramelech and Sharezer, his son, smote him with the sword, and they escaped into the land of Armenia. Armenia is still existing today. They went into the land of Armenia, and Eshahadon, his son, reigned in his stead. Amen. And this brought an end to Sennacherib who wanted to make a mess and mockery of the Lord. You can't do that and get away with it. As we look at the story of Sennacherib and Hezekiah, we cannot but link it to the remnant today and the people who are challenging God. The challenge of Sennacherib is a very unique one. He spoke in such a way to insult and blaspheme the name of God. And today, there's someone at least many other people have done it in the past of course but in the present time in which we live there's a certain person who has been doing this thing like Rabshakeh Yuval Noah Harari the kind of things he says he is just like Rabshakeh was for Klaus Schwab in the great reset that they're trying to do in the World Economic Forum just hear some of the words that this man says he also challenges God and his word he I'm going to read a series of statements now from Yuval Noah Harari which is just like the statement made by Rabshakeh the chief servant of Sennacherib here it says look at what he said here he said we don't have any answer in the Bible when humans are no longer useful to the economy you need completely new ideologies completely new religions and they are likely to emerge from Silicon Valley from bungalow and not to emerge from the Middle East and they are likely to give people visions based on technology everything that the old religion promised happiness justice and even eternal life but here on earth with the help of technology and not after death with the help of some supernatural being so when someone was interviewing him and asked him what are humans for harari responded as far as we know for nothing there is no cosmic drama some great cosmic plan that we have a role to play in it and we just need a need to discover what our role is and then play it to the best of our ability this has been the story of all religions and ideologies and so forth but as a scientist the best i can say this is not true there is no universal drama with a role in it for homo sapiens another time he said i think that fake news has been with us for a thousand years just think of the bible and of course when he said these people laughed and then he said again science is replacing evolution by natural selection with evolution by intelligent design not the intelligent design of some god above the skies some god above the clouds but our intelligent design and the intelligent design of our cloud the ibm cloud the microsoft cloud these are the new driving forces of our evolution and then another time he said all the story about jesus rising from the dead and being the son of god this is fake news and then he said concerning humans the easiest people to manipulate are people who believe in free will because you can manipulate them and they don't suspect because hey i choose it because it's my free will and then talking about the fact that god wants us to live a holy life harari said just think about sex life almost every religion wanted to really change human sexuality or limit it but they couldn't you had laws of chastity in the church and how many people actually lived up to the laws of chastity now think if you can really start messing with human biology what would be the result of these sexual fantasies of different religions and ideologies hmm. by the way this man who is speaking Yuval Noah Harari is married married to a man he is homosexual and believes that all this talk of sexuality that the Bible is pushing on us it's all nonsense 
and blasphemes God continually. And talking about human power, the way Sinatra spoke, hear what he said. He said, just as God in the Bible designs and creates animals and plants and humans according to his wishes, now we are learning how to design and create life. We are probably one of the last generations of Homo sapiens because in the coming generations we will learn how to engineer bodies and brains and minds. And he has plans just like Sinatra wanted to exterminate the remnant of God's people, this man also has plans to exterminate people who will not key into the plan of the World Economic Forum of the Great Reset. He said, we need some kind of global loyalty and global identity. How exactly will the future masters of the planet be decided? This will be decided by those who own the data. Now, why is data so important? It is important because we have reached the point where we can hack not just computers, we can hack human beings and other organisms. Sort of like, by the way, I'm not re- just sort of like how Senatory was also trying to take over Hezekiah's people. He says, now what do you need in order to hack a human, hack a human being? You need two things. You need a lot of computing power and you need a lot of data, especially biometric data. But control of data might enable human elites to do something more radical than just build digital dictatorships. By hacking organisms, elites may gain the power to re-engineer the future of life itself. Because once you can hack something, you can usually also engineer it. In another place, he said, humans are now hackable animals. You know the whole idea that humans have this soul or spirit and they have free will and nobody knows what is happening inside me. So whatever I choose, whether in the election or whatever in the supermarket, this is my free will. That's over. Today, we have the technology to hack human beings on a massive scale. In another time, he said, now humans are developing even bigger powers than ever before. We are really acquiring divine powers of creation and destruction. We are really upgrading humans into gods. We are acquiring, for instance, the power to re-engineer life. Wow. And then he said again, Earth will be populated or even dominated by entities that are not organic, that they don't breathe, that don't have emotions like the potential of AI is much more bigger than any historical revolution. It's really a biological revolution. Now, another thing that Harari said, let's read this once. He said, I think maybe in a couple of decades, the thing that they would remember from the crisis, that's from the 2020 pandemic so-called, is this was the moment when everything became monitored, that we agreed to, to be surveyed all the time not just in authoritarian regimes but in democracies and maybe most importantly of all this was the moment when surveillance started going under the skin because really we haven't seen anything yet i think the big process that's happening right now in the world is hacking human beings naturally hacking human hacking different cities the ability to hack humans to understand deeply what's happening within you what makes you go For that, the most part, data is not what you read and who you meet and how you buy. So if we have these two big revolutions, the computer science revolution or the infotech revolution and the revolution in the biological sciences, and they are still separate, but they are about to merge and they are merging, I would say, around the biometric sensor. It's a technology that converts biological data into digital data that can be analyzed by computers and having the ability to really monitor people under the skin this is the biggest game changer of all what you have seen so far is corporations collecting data about where we go who we meet what movies we watch the next phase is the surveillance going under our skin now this statement doesn't mean that he's that this is the mark of the beast no not at all but here he's saying there is a kind of system that is coming now where you have to key into the world's plan or you lose and that's why they say what are humans for for nothing he says the big political and economic question of the 21st century will be what do we need humans for or at least what do we need so many humans for do we have an answer in your book somebody asked him and he said at present the best guess is we keep them happy with drugs and computer games 
You can imagine this kind of statement he's making. So, I, there are so many things I can say about this man and the things he has said, but I'll stop here. Maybe a link will be given for those who want to hear some of the things he has said. What do we make of these words spoken by this man, Yuval Harari? Just like Sennacherib, he is not bluffing at all. If they implement the powers that they have through technology, they cannot be matched. Your data is with them, like he said. Your phone is monitored. Your fridge, your electrical meter, your smart TV, your email address, phone, bank details, down to your village and mother's maiden name is with them. They have not just the information of what is happening around you, but also what is happening inside you. They can indeed hack your mind if you are not with God. Just like Senatory was able to hack all those cities that he went to and all those countries. Why? Because they were not with God. And if we don't take the necessary measures like Hezekiah did, certainly Sennacherib in the form of Harari will hack you today. But the greatest threat made by Harari is the extinction of the human race. Harari is saying like Hezekiah's servants, Rabshakeh, that we should quit all this our religious nonsense and submit to the powers that be. But what was the problem with Sennacherib? 2 Chronicles 32 verse 16 says, And his servants speak yet more against the Lord God and against his servant Hezekiah. He wrote also letters to rail on the Lord God of Israel and to speak against him, saying, As the gods of the nations and the other lands have not delivered their people that were able to hack them out of mine out of mine hand, so shall not the God of Hezekiah deliver his people out of mine hand. Verse 19 And they speak against the God of Jerusalem as against the gods of the people of the earth, which were the work of the hands of man. Hmm. So speaking against gods and his against God and his servants, that was a problem with Sennacherib. This is the problem today with those in the World Economic Forum from Klaus Schwab down to Harari and every other person who has tried to do this in the past and who will try to do it in the future. This Jewish gay so-called scientist is the rapture of today. And Klaus Schwab, his master, is in a sanatorium of today. What will be their end? They have crossed the line. They will come to a sure end like Sennacherib and Rabshakeh came. You see, there's an ongoing plan to come against God's people. This plan is entered into by both the people of the church and also the mighty men of the world. Harari is blaspheming God today like Rabshakeh. Make no mistake, he has the weapons to do what he says he can do. Just as Israel, Egypt, Ethiopia, Syria, and all those other nations that they mentioned and their gods were not able to deliver them from Rabshakeh and Sennacherib because the Lord was not with them so also today. Those who do not make the Lord their defense are having a vain confidence. Sennacherib will destroy. Harari will really do what he said he would do. They will be swept away by the great reset being planned by the elite along with the kings if the earth and also the whole religious bodies today and their head will be Babylon, the mother of harlots. They will be swept away by the great reset planned by the elite, along with the kings of the earth, and also along with many of the religious leaders who today will represent Babylon, with the mother of harlots, of course, being the papacy. But when they come against God's people, look at her as Sennacherib. They conquered many nations, but when they came against Hezekiah, what happened? He was destroyed. Same thing, my brothers and sisters, we should behave like Hezekiah today. We should take these statements of Harari to the Lord. If you are with God, Harari will not affect you. But if you are not, make no mistake, you are going to be like Egypt and Syria and Ethiopia and uh, Israel who were conquered by the Assyrians. The Lord has told us that we are to be with him. The Bible records that Hezekiah kept the commandments of the Lord. And that is the reason why the Lord delivered him. If we are not keeping God's commandments, make no mistake, you are having vain confidence. The plans made by the elite of this world will certainly get you. You will receive the mark of the beast and you will be on the wrong side of the Lord. The sin of Sennacherib was that he spoke against God and his servant. So also the sin of these people who are in the past or present or in the future who are also going to be trying to bring about these reforms in the world that is against God. The sin is when they start to speak against God and his servants. I like the fact that Hezekiah mentioned that word remnant. 
And what did he say about the remnant? He said, Lord, it may be that he will deliver the remnant. You know, Israel was already taken. Nine tribes gone. Judah was a remnant now. Today, the Lord has a remnant. And those remnants represent Hezekiah. They have a character. It's not just to say, oh, I'm Christian. No. These people have a character. And the character is that of Hezekiah. The Bible said that when Hezekiah became king, he didn't just be like, behave like his father, Ahaz. In the book of 2 Kings chapter 18, it says that Hezekiah, in verse 5, it says he trusted in the Lord God of Israel so that after him was none like him. Verse 6 says he claved to the Lord and departed not from following him but kept his commandments. Revelation 14 verse 12 tells us that if you must be a remnant today, because that was the word Hezekiah used, he called himself the remnant. And if we must be the remnant who Senachary will not attack, who the plans of the elite will not touch, we must be, Revelation 14 verse 12, the saints of the Lord who keep his commandments and have the faith of Jesus. Also, when we read in the book of Revelation 12 verse 17, it calls them the remnant that keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. Revelation 19 verse 10, what is the testimony of Jesus? It is the spirit of prophecy. It is not enough to just say, oh, we keep the commandments of God because today, they are together the commandments of god the faith of jesus the spirit of prophecy which is the testimony of jesus if you are not among these people you will be swept away by senatorship which is by the plans of the people of the world today to re-engineer man and bring about this great reset that will turn the world into something different from what it ought to be and of course in this great reset there's not going to be anything like keeping the commandments of god like Harari said, all those plans are going to go away. That religion will make no sense. In fact, he says there is no God. And according to what he's saying, we have the power to do this thing. Not, no God can save you from it. That's actually what he's saying, even though he's not using those exact words. But of course, he, fall, he just falls short of saying that. That's exactly what he's saying. But we must understand how to escape. Hezekiah did what he was supposed to do. In the book of Second Chronicles 32, it says in verse 2, And when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib was come, and that he was proposed to fight against Jerusalem, he took counsel with his princes. So we also should take counsel with godly people, with his princes and with his mighty men, to stop the waters of the fountains which were without the city, and they did help him. So there was gathered much people together who stopped all the fountains, and the brook that ran through the midst of the land, saying, Why should the king of Assyria come and find much water? And he strengthened himself, and built up all the wall that was broken, and raised it up to the towers, and another wall without, and repaired Milo in the city of David, and made darts and shields in abundance. And he set captains of war over the people, and gathered them together to him in the street of the gate of the city, and spake comfortably to them, saying, Be strong and courageous. Be not afraid nor dismayed, for the king of Assyria, nor for all the multitude that is with him, for there be more with us than with him. With him is an arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people rested themselves upon the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Amen. This is the process that we must also follow today as a remnant of Israel. What did he do? He didn't give Sennacherib something that will help him. He stopped the waters and said, Why will Sennacherib come and find water to drink? We also must not give the world and the enemies of God a club by which they will use to hit us. Don't give them information. Don't give them things that they can use against you. Don't say things. Don't do things that they can hold on to that they are going to use to get you. Also, he strengthened himself and the rest of the people with him. We also must strengthen ourselves, how? With the weapon of our warfare that is not carnal, but is mighty to the pulling down of strongholds. And what is the weapon of our warfare? In Ephesians 6, we are told that the weapon of our warfare is spiritual, the belt of truth, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the breastplate of righteousness, the shield of faith, which is above all, the greatest of the, all the weapons, the shield of faith, and the helmet of, of salvation, and wearing the shoes of the gospel. These are the things we must arm ourselves with, just like Hezekiah did. And when we do that, 
Yet, it was not all this armory that saved Hezekiah. The Lord was the one that did it. But we must do our part. Written in Romans 15 verse 4 is this. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And the hope we are to have is what we are learning from Hezekiah. That even though all the world will come against God's people, if we are like Hezekiah, keeping the commandments of God and doing all we can to strengthen ourselves in the Lord with the spiritual weapons that we are to use, the Lord will fight our battles for us and we shall come out victors. May that be our experience in Jesus' name. Let us pray. Thank you, dear Father, for inspiring us with confidence from the story of Hezekiah and Sennacherib. We pray, Lord, because we believe that if we do the same things that Hezekiah did, we will get the same results. So, Lord, give us the grace to have faith in your word, to be filled with confidence and comfort, knowing that if we follow these same footsteps, we shall get the same results. Lord, strengthen us and help us and give us the grace that as the world is making its own plans, like Sennacherib did, to come against your people, your servants, and to come against you, O Lord. And as they speak their mighty words, Lord, we present it to you and pray, Lord, please deliver us from their hands and help us, Lord, not to be swept away by the Sennacheribs of today, that we may be delivered as we do what you ask us to do. I trust you, Lord, and I know you will certainly do it. I am very sure of it. Thank you, Lord, therefore, for helping us. Thank you, Lord, for delivering us. Thank you for saving us. In Jesus' name I've prayed. Amen.
Shall come to meet me, my God. I-